club. It's book club. And Kirsten's still under house arrest for her heart condition. So we are once again on Zoom. But that's okay. I think her conversations or our conversations are entertaining enough that we can overcome being on Zoom because we just have a nice gab. So um, we read the book Carrie for this book club book because we wanted to read something from the genre of horror. And uh, I think we had a good discussion about Stephen King as a writer, a little bit about horror as a genre, even though obviously reading one book from a genre does not give you enough information to speak about the genre entirely. Um, I think we all enjoyed the book in our own way, and um, we compared it a little bit to the movie. Even though none of us have seen the movie in recent years, it was a pretty memorable horror film, so it's hard to forget a lot of those pieces. And I thought it was a nice discussion. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoy it too. Our next book club book is a Lemony, Lemony Snicket book. Georgia gave me this book called Poison for Breakfast for Christmas. She gave me this book for Christmas and she annotated it because she told me it was her favorite book of all time. And she asked that we please book club this book on my podcast. And so we are. Since February is a short month, we thought a, a young adult book that's 150 pages was probably a good call. Kirsten is hardcore working on writing her memoir. So we, we gave ourselves an easy book, which hopefully inspires you to read along. Lemony Snicket is definitely a book you can read aloud to your children. Um, probably when they're older elementary school age would be a good age for a Lemony Snicket book. So if you're interested in joining us for March's book club, it is Lemony Snicket, Poison for Breakfast. If you read Carrie with us, I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. It was really fun to read uh, horror. It was really fun. So I hope you enjoy this episode and um, keep the emails coming. Keep the book suggestions coming. Uh, someone just suggested the four wins and uh Kathy's already read it. Kirsten said it's a long book. It's 464 pages. She said she doesn't have time now. But we love getting suggestions for good books. So even if it's not book clubbed, I guarantee you will end up reading it. I already bought the four, four wins as well. So it's on my list. And I uh, hope you are well and staying safe. And enjoy this episode of Wife of the Party. <laughs> While Kirsten and I were chatting while you guys were working out the technical difficulties, um, and I was saying, got a lot of response from our podcast about um, Kirsten's uh, heart attack and your toe and my post-COVID symptoms. I got a lot of advice. One person told me to chew gum while drinking that nasty drink that Richard said, don't say that you should drink that nasty drink because they don't do it anymore. Isn't that what you were just saying? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, Richard said, you know, why would you freak her out like that? Um, when he went for his, <laughs> just send her in blind. Uh, I mean, don't be a friend and tell her <laughs> his was like maybe a year ago or something. And he's like, yeah, they didn't give me that giant jug. Like you had mine was, it was much, much smaller. He said it was totally reasonable and it wasn't gross. I went, Oh, great. Well, there awesome. you go. <laughs> remember those, remember you're spreading those fake news. Oh, oh. Um, remember those nasty drinks you had to drink when you were pregnant to see if you were like diabetic oh, or whatever. Yes. It was like cola syrup. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but it was nasty. Yeah. Um, that was not a deterrent for me. My deterrent was that I, I didn't want to ask anybody for a ride. And I got so many people DMing me going, I live in and I will give you a ride. <laughs> like, thank you. But a perfect stranger picking me up might be even worse than someone I know. Um, but uh, I had a, a lot of people that I didn't, I don't think, pass on to you say thank you for um, talking about this because um, it was a great women's health you know, informational podcast, sort of, even though no one here is an expert, <laughs> sharing your specific experience is, is enlightening for other women. So, um, I didn't pass every single thank you on, but I got a lot of them. And, uh, and, uh, and one person, I don't know if it was the one I passed on to you was like, tell Kathy, I'm so sorry about her toe and tell Kirsten, <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry about her heart and you, I'm so sorry about your bowels. And I was like, thank you. I'm just sorry, sorry, sorry. It was really adorable. It was really cute. Yes, that's sweet. <laughs> it was I, heard, I heard from someone, um, I can't say who they are because there's a privacy issue, but um, somebody who I'm very close to, but we're not in each other's day-to-day -day life because of geography. We just live very far away and, you know, kids, different ages, blah, blah, blah. Um, but this person reached out to me and said, thank you very much for talking about this because their spouse um, has a congenital heart condition and has had surgeries and it needs another surgery. And their spouse is incredibly private about it. Um, does not like to talk about it because of all of the stigma, because of all of the people, the peanut gallery chiming in with, oh, better cut down on those burgers or, right. you know, better start exercising or whatever ridiculous things, which is completely, um, you know, has nothing to do with this person's condition. So uh, the spouse said, thank you for talking about this publicly. Um, because it makes me feel seen as a caregiver. Like it, it's like, it was great for me to hear about this because I don't get to talk about it because my spouse is so private. And um, yeah, that felt really great <laughs> getting that message because after the fact, I was feeling very vulnerable having talked about all that. And I just thought, wait a minute, why did I do that? What? <laughs> why, did, why was I so open about that? Um, so it was very validating. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and open about that because you know what's so interesting? First of all, that was a really nice thing for your your friend to reach out and tell you. And what a great thing you did for someone unknowingly, you know, to give someone a voice without them having to actually have a voice. That's a really powerful gift. Um, and I get a lot of emails about that exact thing. Like I, uh, more more about... I didn't realize I wasn't the only person that had that mother, that divorce, that sick parent, that whatever it is, that child with a learning disability, that 
teenage daughter who's giving me shit, you know. I didn't know that that was happening for other people, too, because I guess maybe we talk about things deeply less than we think we do in our day-to-day life. So it's been a gift to me to have all these people uh, email and say, thank you for having that conversation. And I feel that way, too. I mean, there's been a lot of times when I leave chats where I go, I shouldn't have said half of what I just said. Some of it is too private. Some of it is, you know, nobody's business, but I don't know. I've, at the end of the day, I feel like those little nooks and crannies are what really resonate with people who need it. So I kind of just go with it. And I've, I don't think I've ever really, really regretted it because anytime I start feeling like, ah, I don't know if I don't know, I get an email like what you just described where someone will say, thank you so much for doing exactly what you were worried about doing. Um, without them knowing I was worried about it. So that's a real gift. It's a gift to you too. Maybe our vulnerability is where our strength lies. I think really is that's where you mine all the strength in your soul. And so you showing your strength slash vulnerability inspires other people to do the same. Right. Hopefully, right. <laughs> I just I just got out of therapy and we were talking about religion. So maybe I'm <laughs> a little preachy today. We had the most fascinating conversation about religion. I wonder I now think I should probably have a podcast on religion only because I am fascinated about people's spirituality, like their relationship with religion or spirituality or whatever they do. It's a fascinating thing how people come to what their, what their quote practice is or what their lack of practice is or what their faith is. I should podcast about that because I definitely have some very strong beliefs myself, um, about what works for me, not about what works for anybody else. It'd be a good podcast, but yeah, I just spent an hour <laughs> was talking about, she was like, how did you come to your religious beliefs? And I was like, huh, how did I? Let's formulate that. Let's see how that shaped up. But Anyway, this is a book club podcast. <laughs> We've already gotten too deep. So we read Carrie by Stephen King. Thank you, Kirsten, for showing the book because <laughs> my oldest daughter stole my Carrie and is reading it and is now like, I am a huge Stephen King fan, which is the exact age that I was into Stephen King, right? Was this, it was, I was in high school. Yeah, and this one's particularly because it's about high school students. Yeah, it's about high school. So this morning I thought to myself, how many books has he written? He's written 40 or he's published 40 novels. That's just insane. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know what it takes to write a book, Kirsten? 40. Yeah. That's crazy. And 40 long books because Carrie is one of his shortest and yet it is really dense. So it's only like 300 ish pages, like 290 pages, but there's, there's no white space at all. It is there. There are no chapters. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's just, but I was horrified by that. Like he's only like what 70. So he's turning out one a year ish. Right. Like, I don't know how old he is, but he's, I don't think he's that old. Mm -mm. Right. So he is, I don't know. He is very prolific. Yes. And of these books, I mean, some of them are well over a thousand pages. Yeah. 
They are. And it's so crazy. many of them have been made into feature films or mini series for those people back in the day. Um, oh, he's 74, Halston says. Thank you, Halston. So he's my dad's age. He's, I mean, come on. That's just a lot of books. That is so, a lot of books. If he's been writing for 40 years, he's probably been writing for 50 years or more, right? Yeah. So it's roughly a book a year. And some of these books, I mean, like it's over a thousand pages. The stand's over a thousand. The stand, the the new version is 1400 pages. And then the uh, Under the Dome is over a thousand pages. Uh, did I leave it out? I don't know. They're all, and then he has all these series, like the Gunslinger series. He's just a crazy writer, but we were reading him for the genre, which is horror. I'd say this was a horror. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so who had read this book before? I, I don't I, remember. I don't think this. I did. I okay, think I yeah. just saw the movie because I was struck reading it by the differences from the movie, even though I haven't seen the movie also <laughs> since I was a teenager. I'm, a, I'm afraid to watch the movie. I won't do it. Well, I can't. I don't, uh, don't want to see that. Don't want to do it. No, nope. can't do it. It's I don't pretty, like horror. I hate it. I really hate it. I can read it, but. I don't visually, I don't want to see it ever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to like go into a Halloween horror nights, like pass, pass on all of that. No, no, thank you. I'm a pass too. I, I found that reading it was much easier than yeah. watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could control what your brain sees. Yeah, yes. I feel like horror is so much the reason. I think the reason that teenagers are so into it is because they haven't gone through the shit yet. You know, like <laughs> when you actually have been through life and death stuff with your family and friends and whatever, it's just, it's not as appealing. And when you have children and can imagine these, I just don't want any of these images in my brain. I agree. I think that is yeah. a big part of it. And they, you know, teenagers like adrenaline. I think some of this, mm -hmm. you know, fear adrenaline, or this, and you know, George was like, I can't put it down. I mean, it's just such a good book and he's so easy to read. And it just, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen. And I think that intensity is something they kind of thrive on at that age. Yes. Too. And middle-aged yeah. people are on beta blockers to block the adrenaline. <laughs> so they don't have another heart attack. <laughs> so true. Literally. I remember, I remember reading Salem's Lot. The first book of his that I read was Salem's Lot. And it's about vampires. And I'm terrified of vampires. And I remember choosing to pick this book up at like 10 p.m. And then backing myself, my bed was in a corner. You know, so it was like two sides of my bed. I don't know why I think that Isla has issues because... I did the same thing because I didn't want to, I didn't want to police three sides of a bed. I could police two. If anything was under my bed, then I reduced it by one side by pushing it against the wall. Right. She did the same thing. And I rolled my eyes like, I oh, was so silly. And then I think back and I go, that's exactly how my room was in high school because I would, I would read Stephen King and I'd put my back I'd like wedge my back in the corner so I could see my whole room while I read the book like this. <laughs> I was sure a vampire was coming in my house at all times, but I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop reading it. Like I could not wait to finish everything I had to do for the day so I could hold myself up in the corner and read this book and scare the shit out of myself. It's got to be the age partly too. You know, I, guess I mean, I'm sure there are people too. our age who are 
are loving horror. Like, mm-hmm. actually, I do see, I see some people on social media who are like, where are my horror fans at? And like, really, some people my age are going to the Halloween Horror Nights and yeah. doing that kind of stuff. But uh, it is not me. <laughs> not this trio of ladies. No, <laughs> nope. not this trio of ladies. So what, uh, yeah, uh, what did you think about the book? Well, so, so the beginning of the book, it starts off with this, the inciting incident, which is Carrie, this girl who doesn't fit in, gets her period while she's standing in the shower at, in the locker room after gym class. And then the girls are just go Lord of the flies on her and are throwing pads and tampons at her and screaming at her and saying all sorts of vile things. And that central thing. So that's something that was the same in the movie. Um, And I remember watching the movie and going, what do people actually, would people actually behave like this? I mean, I, I think I remember high school being vaguely feral in terms of the attitude. Like there was definitely like the stink eye or, um, but I I do not, I've never experienced then or now or any time in between any, anybody going completely feral. Um. That's because you grew up in Canada. <laughs> Everybody's nice in Canada. Everybody's civilized. <laughs> I'm true. I, I'm true. But I just, I, that was something that I was like, oh, okay. I'll just have to suspend my disbelief in the way that I'll suspend my disbelief for the telekinesis and the bloodbath and uh, everything else. Um, but that just, it still strikes me. And then reading it this time, I thought, really? Like, I, I remember teenagers, like, I could imagine teenagers like snickering as they walked by or just kind of like rolling their eyes and going, oh my God, like get it together or something like that. Um, and then like snickering, like, you know, you know, telling people, oh my God, do you know what happened in our gym class? Blah, 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 blah. You know, a lot of whispering and, um, but not a lot said out loud. That's what mm-hmm. I remember of my high school experience. And uh, maybe it really does happen. I don't know. Like, did, I don't know. Do, do either of you feel like this sort of thing could have happened in your high schools? Uh, I don't think mm. it could have happened in my high school, yeah. but based on my children's middle school experience, it could happen for sure. hundred percent based on their middle school experience here in an 1800 student public middle school with lots of different people from lots of different families and backgrounds. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, my high school. That's more terrifying than the fact it happened 40 years ago, quite frankly. No, no the stories I heard about what went on in the bathrooms there and the, the meanness and the cattiness mm-hmm. and the violence that happened I mean, no one was getting stabbed, but it was definitely not a like, hey, let's go to the bathroom. <laughs> Everybody was like, let's avoid the bathroom till we get home. And I hear that it's kind of a little bit that way in at times in the in the public high school here, not throwing tampons and maxi pads and screaming. Because they're too expensive. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. Um, but yeah, I could sort of see. I could sort of see that. Yeah. Based on what I heard, not just from my kids, but from other kids and from parents about their experiences. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. It wasn't as unbelievable to me. 
I was going to say, I didn't find it unbelievable. I don't think it would ever have happened in my high school. I certainly didn't grow up with that environment, more along the lines of what you were talking about, um, where people would definitely talk and like whisper and spread rumors and whatnot, but nothing as overt as that experience. But it didn't strike me as all that out of the norm that part of the book anyway. <laughs> yeah. That part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think he had to, I think in order for the end to be yeah. realistic, he had to make. Oh yeah. It had to really be a big. Yeah, yeah. 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 He had to make those girls really mean or it wouldn't make sense that the really mean yeah. girl did what she did in the end of the book. I mean, she had to be yeah. vicious and, and out for yeah. blood for no reason. She was just an evil person to be evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that you didn't believe you didn't completely buy that part of the book. Well, it, I don't know. I just suspended disbelief for it. It, um, I I didn't, yeah, it wasn't that I didn't believe. I mean, I believe that people can be really vicious. Um, I just, I guess I'm very lucky that I have not experienced that (laughs) level of viciousness. I found high school to be a very vicious place, but it was very, rumors being started and whispering and you mental know viciousness. yes mental, exactly but although that was pretty mental too to have maxi pads thrown at you and screaming <laughs> and you know it was that what oh. i thought was really awesome was in this one moment you know everything about every person pretty much every person involved in this whole story If Carrie is 16 and doesn't know anything about her menstrual cycle, has never been introduced to it. Doesn't even know she's having one, right? Like she's bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know who she is and all these girls throwing this shit. Now you know who she is. They are. And now you know the obstacles she's been dealing with her whole life. And now, you know, the obstacles she has in front of her. And yeah. And I mean, even the teacher and the principal, it's Mm -hmm. like even the ones who are kind of trying to do the the right thing. The teacher is just kind of so disgusted by the whole scenario that she doesn't even react appropriately. She's kind of shaming to Carrie and and then feels Mm -hmm. bad about it afterwards. But Mm -hmm. it's like you can't undo the first impression. So, yeah. I thought he, I thought he brilliantly set that scene so that we knew exactly who everybody was and what was going on in a very uh, creative and concise way. I mean, that is creative, that kind of level of violence. And as I was reading it, I thought a man wrote this, like how, how interesting to me that his first published novel, the main character is a, a female. And he writes about how she feels and pretty accurately, I think, for from a man's point of view in 1974, right? Or whenever, 76, whenever it was published, um, to, to draw this girl and how, I mean, bes- I, I, as I was reading, I was thinking, what would be more shameful than this? <laughs> a rape? I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, you can't get more shameful than having your period naked in a shower, not knowing what's happening, thinking you're bleeding to death, freaking out and having your peers make fun of you to the point where they throw tampons at you and say, plug it up or stop it up or whatever they said. Could it be any worse? I mean, I just thought, wow, he really set her up for this whole thing to unfold. 
and beautifully right off from the beginning. Yep. Um, there's nowhere to go, but down. (laughs) Yeah. And you, but you, you like you're on, you're in her corner. Like, or at least I was, I was in her corner. I was like, yeah, I mean this, like the rage that is going to grow from that is very believable. (laughs) I agree with you. I kept wanting her to make, I, I wanted the prom to work. Like I wanted her to have that redeeming moment where it, it was beautiful. I really did. And I guess that's the part of the psychological horror is, you know, it can't be that way. You're reading a horror book. You're not reading a romance novel. You know, it's going to turn out bad. And the heartbreak that was happening for me as I was reading and I was like, please don't do this. Like, I know what this book is about, but please don't do this to her. Bless her heart. She finally... People are starting to see her as a person. And then it's just all just completely taken away from her. It's heartbreaking. Um, Anyway. Yeah. And heartbreaking that it took a makeover basically for like, like it does in every, in every movie (laughs) that it basically took a makeover for people to go, oh, you are a human being. (laughs) Well, Well, not even a makeover. It was like a paid boyfriend. Like that was the part that bothered me. Like, I don't like that. I felt was super unbelievable. Like the other girls, I forgot her name. Um, Susan, like her motivation for doing that. Like if it doesn't, I don't buy it. Like that part I found really hard to like suspend my disbelief. Cause I was like, this is so not real. I don't get it. But yeah. So for anybody who hasn't read the book um, and doesn't plan on reading the book, uh, Susan is one of the girls who throws the tampons, feels very guilty uh, later, feels really, really bad. And she's dating like the hot jock who's the best guy in school. And she says, you know, don't take me to the dance. Take Carrie instead. That's how I'm going to redeem myself. I found that really hard to believe, too. But there was so much suspension of disbelief to that point, yes. you're kind of in it. You just roll with it. Right. You just, just roll with it. Go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's throwing ashtrays around the room. She's like doing all kinds of shit where you're like, okay. Dropping if I'm boulders penny, from the sky on her house. Exactly. I mean, if we're in for a penny and for a pound. Yeah. I'm in for the pound, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't buy that a whole lot either. Um, but I really wanted I really wanted it to be, I wanted to believe it. (laughs) I wanted her to have that. No, and I didn't really think of it. You're right. It was, I didn't think of it as a makeover. What I thought of it was an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it was an opportunity, but I just mean the opportunity came with like a new fancy dress. It's like she she shows up in her like frumpy religious clothes that are like, you know, these long skirts and she's like, you know, he goes on and on about her pimples and um, blackheads. And then, and then it's like a dress. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And voila. And then she's on the arm of this young stud and it's like, hairy. Right. Yes. That was a bit much too. I guess if you put it that way, but I was like, I was like, I thought it was an opportunity for her I thought really what that was about was her saying, no, my way this time to her mom. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that was his way of doing that. But what did you think about the mom? Did you find her to be believable in her extreme religious beliefs and her oppression of her daughter? Well, I think that's a tough one because I think that extremism of any type is always shocking. 
and is always unbelievable, even when it's happening. Like even when you read something in the news about some extremist or about these, you know, those crazy people that had like, I don't know, a dozen kids or more and then we're torturing them. And like the kids were living in cages in the house and then their mm-hmm. parents were posting on social media, like thing one, thing two, thing three, thing four, thing five, like all, all dressed up and Dr. Seuss, yay, we're a happy family. And really they've been enduring horror for all of these years. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't believe that it happened, but it's mm-hmm. just extremism of any kind is, is unbelievable. So yeah, I, I found her unbelievable, but then it was like, well, I don't know. I, there's a lot of stuff that I believe and yet find unbelievable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What'd you think? Kathy? I didn't think she was that unbelievable. I could totally see people being like that today in the world, mm-hmm. you know, like it's shocking and disturbing that someone could be that extreme and think to that level. But I, that I didn't find unbelievable at all. No, me neither. I bought her hook, line and yeah. sinker. Totally bought her mom. Um, yeah. And totally bought the struggle and carry about what to do, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm familiar with a mother who you must live in this box, period, or you're 100% rejected. And I completely understood that feeling. At a certain point, you can't do that anymore. That's not actually possible unless you completely shut off who you are and decide, I will only live for this other person. And that's just impossible. It's so hard to do that. I mean, maybe it's possible for some people, but I think that's what Carrie was doing. And unfortunately, when she did that, she had no foundation of how to manage herself. And then, you know, she had no, uh, no external supports. I mean, literally Mm -hmm. she had her mom who was not supportive and, Then, but even when that was cut off, it was like, she had no one. She had no one. Yeah. So she telekinetically destroyed the town. (laughs) She literally burned it all down. It happens, you know, it happens. (laughs) That part may be a little unbelievable, but the rest of it. (laughs) No, we've already suspended our disbelief. We we did that when the tampons started flying. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, I think um, back to the mom thing. I think that as a teenager, like that's when you're supposed to be separating from your mom. And she is, you know, it's all or nothing. You're either with me 100% or you're not. So it is, I found that part super believable. It was a huge struggle for her. Mm -hmm. How do I be my own person when I'm not allowed to be my own person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the bloodbath, even though it's like unbelievable, you know, we've suspended our disbelief, but really like on a metaphorical level, it really, the whole thing was kind of sums up the teen years of the, mm-hmm. that feeling of wanting to burn it all down, even if yeah. you don't want to actually burn the town down, but like, fuck this place, you know, that, <laughs> that sort of wild teenage energy. Um, and, you know, it does feel, everything feels very life and death when, when you're humiliated as a teenager, when you feel hurt or humiliated or um, unloved or any of the things or just unaccepted. Um, I think it was, it all works as a metaphor too. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think he, I, I don't know. I find that I, I haven't really read a lot of other author. I haven't read any other authors in horror, so I don't really have anything to compare his writing as a genre 
in in his genre to someone else in that same genre. Like Dean Koontz was another big horror writer that was parallel to him at the same Isn't time. He's science fiction. Is he? Oh, I thought he was horror. I don't know. I've never read him, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, someone. Thank you for yeah, I don't right. know. There's... I have no idea either. But some <laughs> someone else who writes horror, I've never read. So I don't have any comparison, you know. I love that we're continuing this theme of like the blind leading the blind. We have, we are not experts. We have no information on anything clearly ever. And we're just going to talk. But, but I love that about us. I love that. Well, everyone else is doing it. Yeah. We're giving some serious misinformation about horror writers. Dane Koontz is a horror writer. I'm standing by that. I have no idea. I've never read anything he's ever written, but but uh, here's something that I like about his horror. I, I was saying that to preface this part of what I was going to say. Um, something that I like that he does in every book is he creates a community. It's never just about this two or three main characters, four main characters. It's about a community. It's about a town or about a group. And I felt like I was in this town because I knew Several students yeah. that were throwing tampons. I knew the teacher. I knew the principal. I knew a parent now when the parent came in because the daughter got suspended. And now I know this guy. Now I know the mom who's crazy religious. Yeah, and now, you know the sheriff. Yeah. You know the drunk who who the sheriff yeah. allows to sleep it off in the in the jail. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then this neighbor who hears the explosion and goes and knocks on the door of that neighbor. And now those two women walk out into the world. And they end up dead. And it, and even though they're only there for a moment, I seem to see them very clearly Yeah, and I connect with them and I don't want them to die. You know, if they're a good guy, every single book he, that I've read, I have that same feeling. I feel like I, I am observing a community of people and that I know all these people and care about them on some level. He's really good at that as a writer, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, he is. He, and he writes very cinematically. And, you know, obviously he has all these movies because he's like super famous writer, whatever, but it, it's like, he also, it, it, they're very natural. Like it, it's a very natural progression to turn them into movies because he does write in a very visual um, way where you can really see everyone. You can see the town, you see the high school. Yeah. And I like that, you know, we don't see the, the guy, not the sheriff, but the guy that's holding down the fort, the deputy, I guess uh -huh. we don't meet him until way into the book. And he takes the time to draw that character out, not in a way that's boring or that slows the story down or, but in a way that's interesting, that kind of takes you out of the horror for just a minute. And then you're thrust back in because he's in it. He just wants you to know who this guy is. I, it's almost like having a little like, um, like a like a little treat between these horrific things that are happening. I don't know. I like he does that in every book. So well, it's really interesting because as somebody who writes fourteen hundred page books, like he's actually incredibly concise. Like there's not a lot of fluff in this book. Right. Maybe in it or whatever. I don't remember. But just like that, he pulls you out for a second to describe this character. But it really is only a second. And you get a really good understanding of who he is. And then you're back in the story. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think he's a really, really interesting writer. He has mm -hmm. a, a, 
he's, I don't know. He's really good. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously really great with pacing. And I think that yeah. really helps with the pacing because you're like, <gasps> okay, I need a little breather. And then, you know, go, go, yes. go. Yeah. Could take it down a notch. Like it's like a roller coaster where you're like, okay, and now we're ascending. Ah! And then, okay, <laughs> now we're just going to go around some easy turns. And yeah. Very true. Yeah. You know, this book he wrote in such an interesting way because he didn't just sit down and write um, a narrated story. He, there are quote newspaper articles. There are wires from, you know, this news agency to the other. There's interview pieces. There's narrator told pieces. There's, it's, it's almost like like, a brief from the FBI. Yeah. Police report, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like you're watching an investigation, right? Of something that's happened. And so when Georgia asked me what I was reading, um, I told her and I said, I think you'd be really interested in how he tells this story. Because he doesn't just sit down and say, well, here's what happened, blah, 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 blah. You have to, you're getting it from so many different points of view um, and uh, like modalities in this book. It's that it's so creative. And I'm sure books are written like that now, maybe here and there. But I'm, I don't remember many books written like in this way where it's kind of not just a straight told story. Um yeah, it's a great structure, yeah. although I have to say that I preferred, having seen the movie first, I preferred the other telling of it. In the movie, there are none of these um, police reports and news yeah. articles, so you don't know. From the first page, honestly, I think maybe it's even literally the first page. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, news item from literally the first page. Rain of Stones reported. So you know it's like he sets it up. It's a very clever for the book that he sets it up that this is supernatural. We are dealing with supernatural shit here. Yes. But I preferred in the in the movie when she's discovering her telekinetic abilities, they're just sort of they they come with puberty, just another hormonal thing, you know. Yeah. And um she's we learn of them as she's just, just with her along with her. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, she's angry with her mom and the door slams shut or something. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, wait a minute. Did she make that happen or not? And she's a little confused too. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciated that again, this is coming from my memory, like of a billion years ago (laughs) when I watched it in high school, but that's how I remember it is that she was discovering it and we discovered it along with her. Mm -hmm. So with all of the these news sources, you know from the very beginning, oh, this kid has abilities. Okay, so we got a package from Manscaped, which I am so excited about. And I sometimes don't read the fine print, so I didn't understand um, that this was a, like a new launch. But they've launched this uh, ultra premium collection that I am digging so much. It is... Let's see. They have it's deodorant, like not for not for the undercarriage, but like real deodorant for your underarms. Um, a body moisturizer, a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, um, and you get a free gift, which is a three-pack of lip balm. And I opened it, and I was so excited. I put it all in my shower, and I've used all of it. Well, not the moisturizer or the deodorant in the shower, and I haven't used the deodorant, but it smells amazing. Um, but I love the body wash. I love the two-in-one shampoo because sometimes I'm in a hurry and I just don't want to deal with shampoo and conditioner. So this ultra premium collection has four products 
and a gift. So again, it's deodorant, moisturizer, two-in-one shampoo, uh, body wash, and your free gift is some lip balm. And I just can't say enough about their products. You know that I use their razors, their trimmers. Their trimmers are waterproof. They have nose and hair trimmers. They're just awesome products. So if you haven't gotten something for Easter, because Easter's coming up for some of us, uh, that's a great thing to put on your little bunny basket is maybe the Ultra Premium Collection because they're premiering it now. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WOTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WOTP at manscaped.com. The only smell you want on him in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. Okay, my next sponsor, I love so much. Genuinely, I cook two or three HelloFresh meals a week, and my kids love them, and I enjoy them, and here's why I like them, no joke. We've been using HelloFresh for a long time now, and I like that I don't have to worry about measuring anything or portioning out anything or figuring out how much spice or how much of this to put in it. It's all ready. All you have to do is open the packaging. Chop, dice, mix, stir, cook, and you're you're done. And you have a great meal. I love that. It's meals I would never think to cook. I would never think to cook. They have this miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen meal. I would never know how to cook that. I'm from rural Georgia. I don't know how to cook a ramen, but I do now because of HelloFresh. You can customize your favorite dishes with their Hello Custom offerings. That means you don't want... um chicken in your Alfredo, you can customize it and make it tofu or some other type of protein. You can go in and kind of tell them what you do and don't like. Maybe you have a vegetarian in your house and you want one of your three meals to be vegetarian. That's what we do. I have a vegan slash vegetarian in my house. So one of our meals every week that comes to our house is vegetarian. So I make sure that we have a meal that's just for her or or for all of us. But That's focused on her needs and wants. I love that about this service. So you're not just like you're getting these three meals and you have no choice. You have so many choices. And everything is fresh, wholesome. Everything's cooked in 30 minutes or less. They even have quick menus that are 20 minutes. I mean, I I can't say enough good things about HelloFresh. I've been using them forever. I'm so busy and I hate to cook. So it's so nice to just open your fridge, pull out all the ingredients, pull out the recipe card and get to work. I love it. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash wife16 and use the code wife16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I mean, come on. Go to HelloFresh.com slash wife16, use the code wife16, and you'll get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Hello, fresh. Give it a shot. I also saw the movie a very long time ago, and I didn't want to see it again because I, I, like you, both were like, this is very different. Sissy Spacek doesn't look like the young lady in this book. They don't look even sort of. And I actually prefer the young lady in the book, like for the story, for, for, the, for the heart of the story, that it's someone that, Sissy says Spacek is beautiful. And when they shine her up, she's really beautiful. This girl isn't beautiful. She's just, she's just now 
normalized, sort of. Whereas when she was wearing all this religious long skirt, heavy wool, of course she stands out like a sore thumb. Of course she's a target. I mean, yes, she's a target. Not that I'm saying she should be, but it makes sense that she is. So when she's still that kind of... sort of ugly duckling that he drew her to be, but she's now wearing the same clothes as everybody else. To me, I thought that was even more powerful that she wasn't this like hidden gem. Sissy SpaceX, beautiful. So when she's Carrie, you're like, well, fucking right on. She's beautiful. But the Carrie in the book is not necessarily beautiful. She's just now like everybody else, which is what all she ever wanted to be was just like everybody else. Um, so I don't yeah, want to watch agreed. the movie again. I don't want to see it again. Not only because I don't want to see the visual. And uh, what what sticks with me from from Carrie the movie is Sissy Spacek's hands. Do you remember her hands when she's covered with blood? They're like claws. They're down by her side and they stay like claws like the whole time. And that freaked me out more than anything. And that her hands were like claws. I was like, oh my God. And then she would do her telekinesis by like cutting her eyes and cutting her eyes. And I was like, ah! Do you know what I remember from the movie is um, (laughs) Piper Laurie, who played her mom, who again was like, Piper Laurie was beautiful. (laughs) So she was a beautiful woman playing a sort of this weird and in the in the book, she's described very differently as well. But um, a line that I remember from the movie is Piper Laurie saying, they're going to laugh at you. And then it would like repeat in Carrie's <laughs> reverberate in her brain. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to laugh at you. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a good rendition. <laughs> and I don't remember the mom saying that at all in this. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that freaked me out more than anything in the movie. <laughs> right. Your dirty pillows. Your dirty pillows are showing. <laughs> you remember that in the movie? Yes, yes. I can see your dirty pillows. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah, the movie was, I don't want to see the movie. Wasn't John Travolta the good look? No. Um, my my great American hero was the was the Tommy character. Yeah. With the curly blonde hair. John Travolta was the bad guy. He was a bad boy. Yeah. What'd you think about that bad girl, bad boy relationship? they were just so bad. Like they were, they were just so mean and irredeemable. Like there really wasn't anything likable about either of them. No. And the greaser guy and they had the pig killed the pigs and oh, was so very horrific. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Mean, that's just the thing is that it's like for a um, book about telekinesis, like you think of that like the telekinetic powers being like the horror part, but honestly, like just them going to kill pigs to drain their blood Mm -hmm. is that was one of the most horrific parts. Um, Yeah. And it was real. (laughs) Yeah. What were you going to say, Kathy? Uh, Nothing more than that, really. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, I think, you know, you know, the girl tried a tiny bit to redeem herself at the end. Like she definitely had second thoughts about dropping the blood. Um, but I don't know. They were both just evil people. And I feel like that's more scary than anything else. Like the uh, the meanness that resides in some people, mm-hmm. because that is very real. And that's that's pretty horrific. And that's again, from like a teenager's point of view, like, you know, as adults, we can talk about like 
some mean woman in our midst, but it's like, you can also see them as a human being, like as mm-hmm. a yeah. flawed, but you know, um, complex character. But as a teenager, you're like, that person is all bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. They were all bad. And, you know, I grew up with boys who would easily kill a pig and drain the blood out of it and not think twice about it. That kind of detachment to how evil that is, is, is very scary. I agree. That's really scary to me is to not have any regard for the consequence at all or how that might affect someone deeply or long-term. They don't think about that. Compassion for another creature. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you're killing a pig just to kill the pig. Like you're not killing it to eat it. You're not killing it for survival. Like you're killing it just because you can. Yeah. That's a whole different level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or for revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that. And I didn't like, uh, you know, I I thought there, I don't know. I was an interesting thing that he came up with that she, I didn't, you know, they didn't make sense together. She's a obviously well, more well to do Her dad's a lawyer, you know, and he's a greaser and he's comes from a bad background and she's dating the bad boy, you know, for whatever reason. And they're going to break up with each other and it's a little rapey at times. And it's just kind of a fucked up relationship. Um, I thought it was interesting that he had that in there too, because, um, it just gave you a window into who those people were, who would be that mean and what's going on for them outside of um, what demons they're kind of wrestling with that makes them that nasty or mean. I think she was just overindulged and spoiled and let and left to run amok and had no consequences. And he was the same from a different perspective. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I enjoyed reading it again. Did you guys like reading it again or reading it for the first time? Well, again, (laughs) (laughs) well, no, Leanne. (laughs) Well, it was in my backpack when I went to the ER. So when I was admitted, I was like, well, I guess I'll make the best of this and (laughs) (laughs) read some horror, (laughs) read the book club pick. And then I was like, Oh, and I, oh my God, you guys, I had the two most different, most diverse books. I had like, Oh, the elements of style. It's about grammar. <laughs> it's a, a thin little grammar book. And then I had Stephen King. Stephen King. And I was like, oh, I don't, these were not the best options. I mean, of course, I didn't, I didn't go there thinking I was going to be admitted to the hospital, but I'm, you know, if I had, I would not have picked these two <laughs> companions. Um, they ask you when you at the hospital, like, you know, to itemize everything that's on you. And I didn't, I wasn't wearing my wedding ring or whatever. So they were like, okay, that's good. No jewelry. That's great. How much money do you have on you? You know, do you have credit cards? Like they want everything so that they can itemize it and then know if anything has been taken, like God forbid. Um, And I was like, well, I I have two books. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying it as a joke and she's like, yeah, yeah. We're not worried about the books. And I'm like, I know. I don't think anyone's going to steal my grammar book. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that Carrie was not necessarily the perfect pairing with a heart attack, but, um, but then again, what is, 
I was just going to ask you that. Like, what would be the right book for a heart attack? I don't know. Could be a David Sedaris. Book? Like, yeah, meditation or David Sedaris. You know, something yeah. like keeping it light. A little more levity. A little more levity, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed reading it again. I had two thought, two main thoughts after reading it. One is I completely understand why I like this as a teenager. I, I totally get it. I don't know that I would um, get so much out of it. I didn't really get so much out of it as an adult. I mean, but I was, but at the same time, I was never bored. I never like felt like I was trudging through anything. I read it pretty quickly. Um, there was a certain point in the book where, um, when everything was blowing up in the town, I understood why he drew the picture as like, and this blows up and this blows up and this blows up and this blows up. But at a certain point I was like, I get it. The town is blowing up. I get it. <laughs> yes, yes. Town blowing up, move on. But other than that, I never got bored. I never kind of dropped out. It was super easy to read. And, and I'm, I'm excited that uh, Georgia, loves it. She couldn't put it down either. She had to read Wuthering Heights and she kept going, I got to get back to Carrie. I got to get back to Carrie. And I'm like, what a choice. Emily Bronte or Stephen King? I mean, is it Emily or one of the Bronte sisters anyway? And Stephen King, that's a, okay. She was like, I just, I just got to see what happens in this book. Um, and that kind of made me proud. It made me co feel connected to her. And sometimes I don't feel so connected to her. So that was really cool. Um, and she then she started saying, well, what other Stephen King books should I read? And what should I do next? Um, She's like, I really want to read The Stand, but it's super intimidating. Um, I was like, save it for your summer read. Yeah. You know, read it in the summer. Read uh, Pet Cemetery or Salem's Lot or um, Christine or Cujo. Those books are sort of shorter. So Inner. Yeah, thinner. that one freaked oh. me out. Thinner was pretty freaky too. <laughs> Forgot about thinner. The dead zone. Um, oh yeah, the dead zone. Yeah, the dead zone's great too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm glad oh, the movie of the dead zone with, with Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah, oh, that was so good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What's the matter, Izzy? My dog's pacing around all of a sudden. Um, any uh, finishing thoughts on Carrie from you guys? No, I was just going to say, I agree. It was super easy to read. Um, it was fun, sort of. Like, I didn't mind reading it. Um, but I definitely was like, it didn't make me feel like I wanted to go back and reread all of Stephen King again. Like, Same. I definitely think, you know, I read it not in high school, but like early 20s. I read a ton of Stephen King then. Um, but now I'm like, yeah, it was really great. And I'm ready to move on. Um, yeah. so, but in and of itself, it was a good book. I'm glad I read it. I hadn't yeah. read it before. So yeah. my final thought is just, um, that I wonder when, when there's something as iconic as Carrie, like mm -hmm. it really was an iconic book and the image of her covered in blood is so powerful. It just made me feel bad for all the carries of the world. <laughs> and like, how <laughs> How excited they must have been when Sex in the City started. They were like, great, there's a there's a fun carry to be identified with. <laughs> <laughs> a brand new carry. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> well, something I thought of too while I was reading this book uh, was 
you know, like you, Kathy, I read this when I was young and I was really into it. And then I got out of it. And yeah. then I got into self-help books, really hardcore. And then I got out of it. And then I got into memoirs. And then I got out of it. And isn't it interesting how your interest in in books when you're really a reader of books kind of ebbs and flows in and out of different genres or styles or um, intensity even, you know? I don't want to feel horror now, like you were saying. I, I'm good. Um, I'm more interested in the human experience or a really good story, you know? So that's why I keep going back to memoirs. And I don't want to read a novel that's not good. I just don't want to. I don't want to. And um, life's too short. We're too busy. That's kind of how I feel. Um I'm assuming, Kathy, you have must feel similarly. Kirsten, do you feel similarly that you ebb, you kind of go in and out of different? Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, I read that entire Alphabet series about the the um, (laughs) detective and murder mysteries, which I still love that genre, but um, it has ebbed right now. I'm definitely, you know, and I'm also in class, so we're supposed to be reading a lot of memoirs. It, It. definitely aligns with my interests. So mm-hmm. that's, that's great. So, but I'm doing it both for class and also, um, for myself, but yeah, I feel the same way about, I, life is too short to read a book that I am yeah. bored by that. Even if the rest of the world declares that it's the best book that's been written in the last 20 years, 30 years, 50, hundred years, it's okay if it's not for me. I have definitely reached that point in my life where it's like, okay, not all books are for me and that's okay. Right. Right. Same here. Mm -hmm. So Kathy, you were reading, this is where I leave you. Did you finish that book? Yeah, I did. Did you like it? I did. I read it uh, a little while ago, although I've read several books since I did really like it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I loved it as much as you did, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really good book. It was really well written. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the story now. But uh, yeah, the, uh, it, yeah, with the, yes, I remember. It's coming back to me. It takes a minute. The family whose dad the, dies yes, and they sit but, Yeah, and the, the dad who, or he becomes, or he's about to be a dad with the wife who's cheating on him, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read it again too, and I didn't like it nearly as much as the first time. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, damn it. Interesting. Kathy's going to think that I, 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 I don't feel the same way I felt before. It must have been one of those books that hit me uh-huh. at the right time. It was the exact book I was looking for because I read it at the same time you were reading it. I reread it too because oh, yeah. we were chatting one day and you told me you were reading. I was like, I was, I'm reading that too. And right. I literally was like, ah, oh, man, I don't have the same feeling I had the first time. And, you know, I've reread books before where I have had the same feeling. Like, yes, yes, this is the most amazing book ever. Um, And I didn't have the same strong feeling I had the first time when I was, when I was hawking it to you. So, (laughs) sorry. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, it was fine. It was still a good book. Yeah, it was a good book. But, yeah, yeah. the second time around, I was like, okay, it was just a good book. It wasn't quite this, like, magnificent book that I... Oh, timing is everything in life in general. but. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can, it's like that with relationships, you can meet someone who's wonderful, but it's not the right time for one or both. And then when you think back on that person, you think that was a really lovely person. There was nothing wrong there. Just, you know, whether like not even romantic, but even just like friendship wise that you, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you meet someone and you think, oh, wow, we could be friends, but it, it just doesn't, 
the timing doesn't align. And the same thing happens with books all the time. I've done the same thing, rereading something where I thought, what, why did, why was I in love with this? Um, but then I'm also thinking that about, I read um, Bel Canto by Ann Patchett um, when it came out, I don't know, a long time ago. And um, everyone loved it. It was a bestseller. It was critically acclaimed. So it was just like across the boards, everybody loved it. And I read it and I, I did not love it. I, I don't even know that I liked it. I did not get it. I think I was also offended at the time that, <laughs> that everyone loved it. And I didn't, you know, I was just like, I, I don't understand. But then since I've been reading so many memoirs, I've been reading, um, uh, I've read all of Ann Patchett's nonfiction. Um, she, she doesn't write like memoirs, but more like a memoir and essays, like um, personal essays. They are perfect. I literally, I just finished These Precious Days by Ann Patchett. Perfect. Her writing is perfect. I mean, I laughed, I cried, I laughed, I cried. Like perfect, perfect, perfect writing. And I'm like, I think I need to revisit Bel Canto. Mm. because maybe it just was at that moment in my life. Maybe it just did not connect with my brain. And we were just like two ships that passed in the night. And instead of hating it for all these years, maybe I should revisit it because um, I just love her writing so much. It wasn't the right time. Yeah. It just wasn't the right time. That's interesting. You should revisit that and then tell me what you think. (laughs) So... This month, we are doing a short book. I think it's on your shelf behind you, right? I forgot mine. I'm sorry. It's called Poison for Breakfast. It's a lemony snicket book. Georgia gave (laughs) me me this book for Christmas, and she has annotated it. (laughs) She annotated the entire book for me, and she gave it to me and said, I would love it if you guys would podcast about this book because this is my most favorite book I've ever read. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Now it is a young adult book. I don't know if it's a young adult novel, I guess, or or maybe it's fiction for sure. Not a problem for me. Not a problem for me either, especially it's February, short months. So we have a short book, but it's um, only 155 pages. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm interested to see in this little window of who Georgia May is, that this is her favorite book of all time. Obviously. Do you know when she first read it? Uh, the, in the fall this year. Oh, so just this year. Yeah. So recently. Oh, okay. She so it's not kept, like she read it like two years ago because she's a different human than she was two years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. So, for sure. No, she right? read it in the fall and she kept coming okay. downstairs to me and going, I am reading this book and I cannot stop reading. I love it. I don't want it to end. So I only let myself read a few pages and then I have to stop. It's the best book. And I started reading it. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) Um, okay. So maybe I wasn't in the right headspace. It was when I had COVID. So I think I wasn't really in the right place to start it. So I'm going to start it over with you guys. And hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be a good book. I know Lemony Snicket is supposed to be really fun. I read yeah. one of the Lemony Snicket books to my kids many years ago and yeah. loved it. I loved the sensibility, the sense of humor. Um, it was, it was right up my alley. I really enjoyed that. And I, you know, if I can just say something very shallow, look at that cover. Like that is gorgeous. Yeah. Is. That Why is, is that a shallow? beautiful, well, it's just because, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, that's the aphorism, but actually Ann Patchett talks about that in this book that I just read about how 
um, you know, that she's always brought up, don't judge a book by its cover. And she's like, oh no, like a hundred percent you should. And she talks about the mistakes. So she goes through each of her books and the mistakes that she made when she was a, a younger, newer writer and not knowing her and not actually not even having the power. Cause a lot of the time authors don't really have a lot of um, choice over their their cover, but she, a very interesting essay in, in this book, These Precious Days, where she talks about the process of choosing a cover and how different it was for each of her books. And it was fascinating, but um, yeah, this is a particularly gorgeous um, cover. Yeah. It's a cool cover. Well, I can't wait to see what the annotations say. That's going to be really interesting. I, I just flipped through it and she's like, highlighted in green and then written on in the margins whatever she wants me to know and she did it for me that was my christmas gift she didn't you know because this was not an assigned book for school <laughs> as a senior for sure not since she's reading wuthering heights but i started reading wuthering heights with her because i was like oh i've never read that book and if you're reading it we can discuss it she flew through it i'm on like chapter i don't know 10 and she's been done with it so I kind of missed the boat on that, but she loved that book. She loved Mm -hmm. it. She said it was the first time she'd read any Bronte at all. I loved it when I was her age too. I haven't read it since then, but loved it. It's, it's, it's great. And it's so different from Jane Eyre. And, you know, I know they're sisters, obviously different people, but it's amazing to have that many three female writers in a family and they all be distinct and excellent. But yeah, that's the thing is they're all excellent and very distinct from each other and and good and good read. So I'm going to finish Wuthering Heights before I jump into Poison for Breakfast. So let's plan on that later February, if that's OK. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for reading, Carrie, ladies. Thank yeah. you. It was fun. fun. I'm glad it was fun. Let's keep the. Do you like reading by genre? Should we keep doing this this way or how are you feeling? I mean, I'm up for anything. I feel like we have a hard time choosing a genre. So I feel like sometimes it limits us, but I don't care. Like I don't have no objection to continuing to do that. But well, we haven't read a detective novel. That's True. a genre. Yep. And I know nothing about detective. So maybe Miss <laughs> uh, Fast Fingers over there can give us some direction <laughs> on a detective. Let's uh-huh. do that maybe in March. A detective. Okay. Um We'll take suggestions from uh, listeners, too. If you have any good detective novels, we'd be happy to. A is for Alibi. Yeah. Sue Grafton. That Alphabet series was so, I loved it so much. I loved the experience of reading it so much. Um, I don't even remember what A was because, you know, I got to Y. (laughs) um, She she died before Z happened. But um, I, I just loved that series so much. So I feel... We can read that. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if you still love it. Like you've read so many. I wonder if this is one of those books where you go back and you're like, oh yeah, not so much. (laughs) Or maybe you do still love it. I don't know. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, let's read that. A for alibi. I believe it's very short. I remember it being a very small paperback and you know, that's a plus (laughs) for me. That is like your one criteria. (laughs) If it's under 200 pages, I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) 250 max. Yeah, right. 250 max. <laughs> Only hey, if it's large. Under type. 300. 300 <laughs> is like my limit. And then beyond that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally be in, but what's the deadline? <laughs> <laughs> I have my limitations. I, that, that length of it's a book good is good to know your limit. 
Yes. Right? Well, it's not, it's yeah. not my limit in general. It's my limit while I'm in class, like while I'm trying to write my book, because I just, I love to read. So I will get <laughs> caught up in reading whatever length. So if we're reading a thousand page book, like I'm going to do that, but I just don't have the bandwidth right now to, I, I just don't have enough hours in the day to read the things that I'm supposed to read for class and do my writing and read a thousand page book or even really. Like, so you're just limited with us is what you're saying. Well, I'm just, I'm limited <laughs> at this, this season of my life. Yes. I understand the priority yeah. chain now. Okay. Okay. No, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I don't want to commit. This is a commitment because we have a, something we want to record within a month or so of when we choose. Mm-hmm. So it is hard yeah. to get that done it's not as quite as flexible. So I get it. And I don't want you guys to ever feel burdened by my podcast or this book club or anything ever. That would be the last thing I would want. So let's make it easy. And now we know what March is. A is for alibi. (laughs) See how easy we did a two for one. (laughs) Easy peasy. Perfect. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being my guest again, you know, your fan favorites, fan favorites. I don't know about that. But. You are. I get so many people who I get, I need to just pass yeah. on all my emails to you guys. I'll just let you sift through them and, and take note. Um, but a lot of people email and say, I love your book club because I just feel like I'm listening to a good conversation. I don't even need to read the book. I'm not even interested in the book. I'm interested in the conversation. I think as we, especially the last two years, we've been home by ourselves. Um, I know the way that I listen to podcasts is when I'm doing something mindless like laundry or the dishes or driving Driving. or walking Mm -hmm. the dog, you know, or scooping dog shit out of my backyard or, you know, gardening or I know I don't listen at the grocery store when I got to think about something. I listen for stuff I don't have to think about. And it is so, it makes those mindless things so much more enjoyable, you know, to listen to a podcast. I've been listening to The Moth for months now. That's all I've been listening to is just storyteller, storyteller, storyteller. Because that's, that's what I'm in. That's my timing at the moment. Mm -hmm. So if people listen to our book club and they don't care about reading the book, they just want to hear a conversation and I get so many people saying your friends are so smart, they're so intelligent, and they're so well-spoken, and they, I love to hear what they have to say about anything, which is what I wanted to share. I do have really smart uh, friends, well-rounded, developed human beings who have a lot to offer the world. So I think that's great. If we talk about Lemony Snicket and somebody puts it on and does their laundry, that's awesome. We keep them company. <laughs> anyway thank you ladies i hope you have a lovely day and kathy i'll be coming soon to pick up those cookie boxes right behind you (laughs) i have so many cookie boxes if anyone wants cookies we've got them i know right the girls got cookies kirsten i think i'm gonna drop your cookies off because i'm going to pick up because i have to drop something off to kathy anyway so i have your other richard's other six boxes oh he will be so excited (laughs) so i'll drop them off later today (laughs) thanks okay thank you guys all right thank you have a good day bye